On July 8th and 9th, 2021, Aaron and I released a special two-part Patreon episode about Britney Spears' conservatorship. Much has happened since we recorded these episodes, but at the time, it was full of the most comprehensive information we could find. Much of the information in these episodes was largely based on the New Yorker article that came out in July. I want to note that nothing in these episodes is proven in a court of law and is all alleged until further proven or disproven. We do add our own conjectures and theories and editorialize, and we tried to make that clear as we went. Please don't sue us. We have no money. An acknowledgement of the number of documentaries that have come out in recent weeks about Britney Spears and her conservatorship, we wanted to present to you this special two-part Patreon vault episode, Free Britney. Please enjoy. Erin, I have a confession to make. Again? Yes. <laughs> something with me. What happened? Tell me. I am obsessed. That like, does not narrow it down at all. Mariah Carey obsessed. Why are you with, so obsessed with me? With? With Britney Spears' conservatorship. I mean, I think that you and... <laughs> the whole world, I know. Everyone else is obsessed but with Britney. When have I ever been up to date on pop culture, I ask you? Oh, never. Right. Not even once. So, um, in lieu of our normal, like, playful banter... Mm-hmm. I would like to instead present to you um, this much. This is the, can you, let's see, there's a glare. I know. Hold on. This much research. Oh my God, Paul. This is, this is me sorting through. That's 16 typed pages, singles, <laughs> singles based. Welcome um, to our very special nine hour <laughs> Patreon edition. <laughs> The deconstruction of Britney Spears. <laughs> so I sorted through like whatever. I'm text- here for it. I don't care. <laughs> when I texted you the other night and I was like, "Hey, can I do a Patreon this week?" I know I just did one, but I got into a real deep dive. the The two things that were on my mind was a, it's so timely. Like everything is changing literally by the minute. Um, yeah, things happen today, the- actually. Uh-huh, yeah, they're in my notes now. <laughs> oh, awesome. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> but um uh, B, they're like, dropping like flies over there, man. For real. Yeah. B, it's been a long time since I like got my red string and push pins out, but essentially <laughs> I, when I texted you, I was 50 pages of research in. Oh my God. I think my total count was 72 pages of research. Wow. That is a lot. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this. I've been wanting to talk about this. I am, I I'm really excited to do this deep dive and you know, to our page, this is what you pay good money for because it's about to get crazy. Yes. Do you know when the last time I did a dive this deep was, or like this much reading and research? 
Um, I'm assuming for your doctoral dissertation that I didn't know that you did actually. <laughs> Cal calendar girl, comma, cop, comma, killer, killer question, mark. question mark. Because I read that entire book about Bambi Bambinic. And then wait, the next week I read a book too. I read a whole book about yeah, who did. came next. Jodi Arias. Jody Arias. Next. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause I was like, now I can't read a book every week. And then I turned right around and read another book. But yeah, yeah it's, it's been 120 weeks is what I'm telling you. I am extremely excited. I'm, I, I really, I'm so glad we're going to do this. I thought about actually, cause I was supposed to do Patreon and I, I have a topic, but you know, I also had surgery and so I had done literally nothing. And so when you asked me, I was like, great. Yeah, this will totally work. And I thought yeah. about dropping my topic for Britney Spears, but now I don't have to. Aaron was being like selfless, like, oh, sure, you can take this week uh -huh. and totally not like, just. Yes! <laughs> God. If you want to. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, on, I will start by saying on May 6th, 2020, we released episode 70, Brittany Ever After, and this is a stick in, which is one of my favorite quips we've it's ever a Great had. title. <laughs> It's a great um, title, but I feel like we were a lot nicer to Justin Timberlake than we should have been. So well, we, that's will, we will be rectifying that situation yes. today. <laughs> yes. So um, I talked about her, or I stuck mostly to the biographical information of the life of Britney Spears. I mm -hmm. talked about her impact on the world of music and the way she changed the face of pop music specifically. I talked mm -hmm. about the immense wealth she'd amassed. And I talked briefly about her forced conservatorship. And I voiced my support of the Free Britney movement. However, I did not deep dive into her conservatorship or the atrocities surrounding it. Part of that is Poor because girl. there was little information available at the time. Mm -hmm. Information that has since become available through things like Framing Britney Spears and especially an article that was published in the New Yorker called Britney Spears' Conservatorship Nightmare. This was written by Ronan Farrow and uh, Gia Tolentino. Ronan and Farrow, I love Ronan Farrow. And yes. what I love about this article too is most stuff in the New Yorker is behind a paywall and they did not put this article behind a paywall. So yes, um, so like this really was published. Important. Yes. Um, so this was published July 3rd, 2021, which was literally yesterday as I was writing these notes. It's now been four days. Seventh, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, but just to express that like between the third, when this article was published and now there have been like hours of developments in this case. And I added three more pages to my notes. So mm -hmm. um, I believe it. So there was also a healthy amount of fear at the time. Like what things could I say and not be sued or attacked by Jamie Spears's team? Um, but Honestly, this is bigger than that. And any also, backlash is worth, right. Any backlash is worth reporting the facts as they are available to me. I will preface by saying that there may be speculation in this episode, and I will try to be cognizant in admitting when there is speculation versus when there is fact presented by various sources. Um, but today I want to take you in a deep dive into first, the public breakdown of Britney Spears's image the temporary, I put in quotes, conservatorship that has controlled her life for 13 years and the testimony that she gave last month in court. Much of the information I'm bringing comes from this New Yorker article um, 
because they had very in-depth interviews and they had a lot of information. So I really want to give these two incredible journalists all the credit. They absolutely deserve every ounce of credit. Also, speaking of Ronan Farrow, you cannot convince me that that kid is not Frank Sinatra's child, but that's a whole other episode that we, I'm sure, will have at some point. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, um, just to start with kind of a refresh of biographical information, um, Brittany Jean Spears was born December 2nd, 1981 in Macomb, Mississippi the second child of James Jamie Parnell Spears and Lynn Irene Bridges. Um, And I would not want to devote a lot of time to Jamie Spears, but he is a big player in this game. So I'm going to give just a paragraph of information to him, but just a paragraph. (laughs) Um, Right. Cause really he can be summed up and he sucks, but yeah. Thank you. um, And good night. Thank you. That's it. So, and that's our episode. (laughs) So Jamie Spears, who is 68 today, was 13 years old when his mother died by suicide on the grave of his baby brother, who had died eight years earlier at just three days old. Okay, well, that's sad. That is sad. Um, It doesn't excuse, but it... um... Sorry, Sarah just fell into my door trying to get to the garage, and I thought that I was being robbed. (laughs) and i was like i have no money (laughs) we're poor Um, (laughs) but um anyway um it does i think explain a lot of the pain that turned to then anger for the rest of his life does not excuse what he did with that anger but i think it does explain some anger um so Um, In high school, Jamie was a basketball and football star. He had this very promising future. Um, And when he was 17, he actually survived a car accident that killed one of his football teammates. Um, So just a lot of pain in his past. Um, At 22, he was arrested on drug and driving while intoxicated charges. Um, And later he worked as a welder and a cook. Um, And then in 1976, he married Lynn Irene Spears um her maiden name was bridges i mentioned that earlier Mm -hmm. she actually filed for divorce in 1980 requesting a temporary restraining order fearing that he would quote become angry when he is served with these papers and harass her harass or harm her quote especially if he has been drinking alcoholic beverages as he has done in the past and those were from um wikipedia i do believe is where i got those quotes yikes okay um However, they reconciled and had Brittany the following year. Lynn accused Jamie of cheating on Christmas Day that year. Um, And then this quote came straight from... um, (laughs) Straight from Wikipedia. Quote, Jamie wrestled with alcoholism, going on benders so egregious that Lynn once shelled his cooler with a shotgun. No. Everything before that was a Wikipedia. That came from the article that was from the New Yorker. I'm sorry. Yeah. Shelled his cooler with a shotgun. I was like, is there a more Mississippi slash South Louisiana sentence that has ever been yeah, written? <laughs> no. I mean, the answer to that question is, is no. There um, so they divorced in May of 2002, but reconciled without remarrying around 2010. And they were seen together, like still united until 2014. 
but were eventually completely separated by 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as I said, Brittany was the second child. There are three uh, total. Um, her siblings are Brian James and Jamie Lynn Spears. Um, but Brittany was kind of the focus of their attention because starting even at age three, Brittany began attending dance lessons in her hometown of Kentwood. And I'm going to have to work very hard. I'm just letting y'all know now because in Louisiana, it is pronounced Kentwood. I was literally going to say Kentwood. So So. when it comes out, it's just Kentwood. Um, so in her hometown of Kentwood, Louisiana, um, she was selected to support to support as a polo artist is what I tried she to say. She was going to support as a polo artist. <laughs> to Brittany. Solo artist at the annual recital. Um, so at five years old, she made her like local debut singing What Child Is This at kindergarten graduation, which is a very strange kindergarten graduation song, but that is a little bit to weird. judge. Um she also had gymnastics and voice lessons. She won many state level competitions and children's talent shows. Um Jamie and Lynn said that Brittany was a natural scene stealer and so they did everything they could could to provide opportunities for her. They drove her to dance competitions around the state. They even borrowed money from friends to drive her to auditions. Um, And this is where I input some speculation and say that as I learn more about Jamie Spears and the amount of pride he has, I think that the borrowing money was a, um, another big player in the anger and the need for control that we see today. But again, that's Paul speculation. Great. Um, Still hate him. So I'll let you know if I change my mind. So eventually all of this paid off. Brittany got an understudy role in a small Broadway show called Ruthless. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this show, but I don't know that I went too in depth in it. So she understudied for um, this little, not really well-known actress called Laura Bell Bundy. Yeah, never heard of her. (laughs) So she would go on to receive a drama. I definitely didn't spend an entire evening last night listening to Oh My God, You Guys on repeat for about an hour. Right. Legally Um, Blonde is the musical that should be revived on Broadway that's my opinion 100%. i'm sticking to it that's it um so she went on to get a drama desk nomination for her role in ruthless as well as a tony nomination for legally blonde she's also in the heart of dixie i believe she is um, mm-hmm. um she has a country album that's actually not bad she um she was also on um how i met your mother uh-huh she i was about to say that was boats 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 yes so um you know so britney understudied for this like not very well-known actress at all weird um the other understudy for this part was this also really horrible terrible no good actress called natalie portman oh god so just really like i hope that natalie makes something of herself one day she should really try to catch up to britney and laura because they're they're doing something have you seen the meme? Have you seen the meme of um it's Natalie Portman and she's modeling, but she's in a Star Wars t-shirt. And 
she, um, um, she's like posing and somebody comments under it, like, oh, just like another, like, um, you know, wannabe nerd girl, like in her stupid Star Wars t-shirt. And somebody else was like, that's literally me you have, basically it was like <laughs> tell me you haven't seen star wars tell me telling you, me you haven't seen star wars right oh, my god <laughs> Man. so after britney stint on broadway she then went on to the 90s reboot of the mickey mouse club um and then when she was 16 she signed a six album deal with jive records thanks to larry mm-hmm. rudolph which is kind of unheard of to as a debut artist to sign a six album deal um larry rudolph was in the news today so i'm sure uh-huh, he's in my it. notes yep. um but you know britney also when she moved on to mickey mouse clubhouse i mean she was with some other like real just no names right because like, that reboot was christina aguilera justin mm-hmm. timberlake ryan gosling ryan, gosling. ryan reynolds <laughs> yeah. um just carrie russell yeah just just People we've never heard never heard from <laughs> since. Just I wonder what they're up to now. <laughs> right. We really should have a like Britney reunion because we've not heard from any of them. So um so yeah, Larry Rudolph was an entertainment lawyer who became her manager. Um and he kind of went out on a limb for her. He recorded this um single had her record the single i mentioned it in our full episode on this that i say full episode but this is going to be much longer than that Mm -hmm. one um that was a uh a whitney houston reject and um she actually had a much more soulful voice than what the label wound up making her sing they kind of forced baby voice and we talked about that yeah i have seen some videos lately of her when she was little and her voice and and if you watch videos of her when she was really little and her singing voice and then videos of her, you know, at the height of her, you know, stardom, her voice is completely different. Yeah. It's wild. She had, she had a very like, what she has like a very s- like deep, like, and like, like a, almost like gospel type. Voice. I was going to say, she has what you would consider a South Louisiana raised Baptist kind of voice. Yeah. Um, that she auditioned with, but the label forced her to do that like iconic it's Britney bitch kind of voice. Um, But you know, that all that said, she almost immediately leapt into stardom, especially after the popularity of her debut single baby. One more time, Britney Spears became a household name. Um, So after she rose to stardom, Britney and her mother were always very close. She was actually not, you know, she was admittedly not close to her dad. And as early as 2000, there were signs of this really fractured relationship between Britney and Jamie Spears. In 2000, Jamie built, mm -mm, nope, Britney built a $4.5 million estate for Lynn and Kentwood. Um, And then this is a quote from that article, quote, Um, from the one in the New Yorker that year, according to through the storm, a memoir that Lynn published in 2008 Spears urged her mother to divorce her father, knowing that years and years of verbal abuse, abandonment, erratic behavior, and his simply not being there for me had taken their toll. Lynn writes, she and Jamie divorced in May, 2002 and Spears told people that it was the best thing that's ever happened to my family. And here's where I go into pure speculation, but I want to put a pin in that 
interview for the next 21 years. Because um, I believe that this is the inciting incident that like in Jamie's full need for control of Brittany's life um, to publicly announce his leaving their family as the best thing that's ever happened on this global scale, like people um, this is a blow that many controlling people could never recover from. And I know in my own relationships with controlling people, if they were ever to be called out like this, so publicly they would crush me into non-existence so that they could get back at me and hurt me in a worse way than I ever hurt them. Um, and I think had a very similar conversation with my therapist yesterday. So I understand Jamie Spears is textbook narcissist. And I don't mean narcissistic tendencies. I mean, textbook narcissist. And there is a difference because everyone kind of has narcissistic tendencies. I think narcissism is a word that gets way overused in our society today. We're too saturated with the word. Yes. But I, I mean, it, in the idea that he is, I, I believe he's a, a true narcissist. 100%. Um, and I just, I really think that this, and this is like, like I said, pure speculation. I have nothing to support it, but I have a close relationship with a, with a true narcissist. And I know that I said something that was not about them recently on my social media. And Mm -hmm. they called me to tell me what a horrible person I've been to them my entire life because of this thing that they thought was about them. Um, And then came after me and how I'm not as smart as I thought I was because of my, despite my education, I mean, they just went for everything they could because they thought I was Mm -hmm. talking about them. And so I just, drawing from my own experience and the experience of others around me, really think this affected that whole thing. Um, So in her own life around the same time, Brittany had just broken up with Justin Timberlake. And this was a very high profile, like public relationship. And those around her said that, quote, the breakup destabilized her. Now, part of this destabilization was because of her image had been tied prominently as a part of this golden, like American's favorite couple situation. Um, And another part is that her sex life with JT was suddenly um, like a hot topic in the news as if it were anybody's business. And JT capitalized on it to jumpstart his own solo career, which was tanking. And I've already canceled that anti-vaxxer cheating sack of garbage piece of shit. So... um, (laughs) Those were, we were a lot nicer to him then, and I wish that I hadn't been, yeah, yeah. a year ago. Um, you know, I, I real, I I knew, I knew, of course, that it had been, it had been sensationalized. I didn't realize it had all been fabricated by his PR team, and literally, this is what launched his career was Crimea River. And the uh-huh. vi- music video that was about Britney Spears. Yeah, where they hired the lookalike, like the, when he the nev- celebrity when she, lookalike. Yeah, like accusing her of cheating or when she never did anything to him. And he's come, he's and you can go. He's come out recently and said that that was all made up. Yeah, and yeah, Justin Timberlake, you were also nineteen, and I'm sure fucking stupid, but do better. 
And so I was until recently, I was the biggest like JT apologist where I would be like, well, you know, like, yeah, he fucked up this time, but like, it's not all bad. But when I have to apologize that many times, I have to take a step back at the bigger picture and say like, no, it's all bad. Like it's all bad. It's all bad. Um, um, I just, my, my folk, my, my focus, my, my view of him has changed so much so rapidly and the and his career is really taking a hit now uh-huh because of all this and and every time i turn around he's trying to do something to salvage it and i'm like bro just take and a seat take your licks you know you did it to her turnabout's fair right. play my friend she right. was a kid back then you're a fucking grown-ass man now right also well, stop like, cheating on your wife right and yes all of that um but yeah so like after framing britney spears came out he wrote about like i i didn't realize it was so hard for her because it was also hard for me to get into this business it's like bruh, bruh here's you're the thing. a white dude you're the here's the thing it wasn't hard for her she was a superstar you were right. the one struggling, not her. Right. Um, and so <laughs> and so everyone came after him for that. And then after her testimony last week, you know, he tweeted like his support for her. And all of Twitter came back like, bruh, you're the reason. Yeah. Like you are part of the reason. Shut the fuck up. He rode he rode her coattails and then discarded her like trash. Yep. It sucks. Yep. He sucks. So it was after this breakup and the first like fall of her public image thanks in large part to that. Um, if that, you have you watched the Hulu doc? No, it's in my saved. Okay. Um they replay an interview she did with Diane Sawyer. Okay. Around the time she broke up with Justin. And listen, we've come a long way because I can say in 2021, had they treated her that way, people would have been in, like good. The people would have gone fucking insane. But basically right. she, she makes her cry. Like Diane Sawyer makes Britney Spears cry. She's like, well, what do you think about everyone that, that says you're a whore? Oh my god. And I'm like, Diane Sawyer, you need to take several seats. Yeah, no joke. It's really bad. I and I I, I remember the interview, but I don't remember that part. And it's just so bizarre how we treat people. And look, and look we we are still really bad. But oh, we yeah. don't like that would never fly on network television now. No. It's and, wild. Well, you know. Like, not that it's the same at all, not even close, but I was watching not too long ago, uh, like a Watch Mojo top 10 times women owned um, reporters for their interview uh, questions. Yeah. And Scarlett one Johansson of my favorites, is like the best at that. That's so it was Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans were doing a press junket for the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. They would ask Chris Evans, like, so tell me, like, what was it like to work with blah, 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 director? And then they asked Scarlett Johansson about, like, 
So did you wear underwear underneath your your skin suit? And so he just started answering all the questions that they asked her. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans and he is... would pass his. <laughs> he would. He's America's sweetheart. He's America's He would pass ass. the like. He's a America's complex. <laughs> yeah. He would pass pass the complex questions to her just to prove a fucking point. But I'm just like, God damn, why are we not better yet? But there are other interviews um, that I've seen with her when she's solo, and she'll just get up and walk out. Oh yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. nope. I'm Scarlet. What I, I imagine, mean, she... what I imagine is going through her head is like, I'm Scarlet fucking Johansson. I don't have to listen to this nonsense, and then she just like right? walks out. <laughs> um. So anyway, also I love so, that she's married to um, Colin Jost, which is like such a a weird pairing, but right? they also like really work together. It's like um Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Uh-huh. Like I just imagine they're Ed, so cute. Deadpool and Serena Vanderwoodson together, and it's weird, but it totally works, and I love it. <laughs> right. Um. So, um. So after this, after like the fall of her public image, she started hanging out with the Hollywood elite and paparazzi favorites, Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton. Yeah. And part of that is because her image was so broken at that point they were the people who welcomed her into their circle like when you are that famous it's not like you can just go to the mall and find a new group of friends and did you hear what she said about paris no Brittany. i think it was in her testament you know paris hilton recently came out with a story of horrific abuse that she has endured in her lifetime and um and Brittany, i think i think it was in her statement that she referenced like when she first heard it she didn't believe the story because she knew that or she didn't want to something like she want to express support or something because she knew that no one was going to believe her and that's how she felt enduring Uh her own abuse that she's had to endure that like whenever she comes forward and finally says something, no one's going to believe her. Yeah. It's horrible. That's heartbreaking. So Paris Hilton <clears throat> even commented on like how the paparazzi went out of control over Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Quote, fighting over getting the shot, pushing each other against my car, scratching it with their cameras. It was overwhelming and frightening. And this coming from a woman who had been quoted once to say, just stop and give the paparazzi the shot they want and they'll leave you alone because she had been so overrun by the paparazzi in her life that they were just a normal thing. She was frightened by the way the paparazzi were running at them because of Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, Uh, Also, I could never be famous because the day a photographer scratched my fucking car with his camera. I would scratch his camera with my fucking car. Everybody would get their (laughs) shot and I wouldn't be famous anymore. I would right. Be, that's when I would go um, from being famous to infamous. <laughs> to infamous, right? So, um, so she, Kim Vo, Brittany's longtime colorist, said that one day Brittany was getting her hair done, and a paparazzo scaled a wall and broke a window with his fist to get a shot of her. So, Are like already, people? no. No wonder this woman had an emotional breakdown. She couldn't fucking get away, literally ever. 
Um, so Spears buried herself in her work after this, keeping this relentless schedule of dance rehearsals, studio sessions, photo shoots, stadium performances, long nights on tour buses, and checking into hotels shortly before dawn. Quote, the crazy, the schedule was crazier and crazier. Juliana Kay, a makeup artist who worked with Brittany in the early years said, she would have little breakdowns. She was always crying saying, I want to be normal. And Oh honey, like I just want to hug Brittany. I know. The New Yorker article went, then went on to say that Brittany self-medicated with weed, cocaine and Molly to deal with it all as the Brittany brand grew bigger around her. Soon the Britney Spears tour would take up entire hotel room floors, uh, hotel floors and at least a dozen tour buses. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, a, well, not, not unfortunately, but a, I don't blame her for taking any kind of drugs she could get her hands on after going while going through all of that. But two, right. this is part of the issue with being surrounded by people that are just yes people. Right. If you're freaking, you know, Michael Jackson and you're like, go get me some propofol so I can sleep. Someone's going to get it for you. Nobody's right. going to tell you no. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. And we'll talk about how people didn't tell her no later yeah. because that's a, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a huge um, problem. Mm -hmm. So... In 2004, Brittany met a dancer named Kevin Federline and married him less than six months later. Her family panicked because Brittany did not secure a prenup first, and there was too much, and then I put in parentheses, of their money at stake. Are we going to skip um, over Jason? Yes, I skipped over Jason. It's fine. just want to make sure that we're on the right timeline. He's not that yeah, important. Just because, <laughs> right. Just because 16 pages, I had to, I want to get to yeah. the actual conservatorship. Yeah. yeah. So most of my notes are actually about the conservatorship. So I'm giving the timeline that led to the conservatorship. Here's the TLDR on Jason. She married him for 55 hours. I got an annulment. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Federline agreed to limit his stake in Brittany's estate before Brittany's family would allow her to sign the marriage contract. Didn't they? Um, yeah, didn't he? Sign it took a, a month for them. Yeah, didn't they do a post up? Okay. Yeah, I thought so. Um, but Brittany was over the moon. She commissioned this photo shoot in which she dressed up. Do you remember this photo shoot? It was iconic. She was okay. a French maid, and she was serving him drinks. And he wore this that trucker hat and those cargo shorts and flip flops. <laughs> yep. Um, you know what it reminds me of you know that scene in Clueless when she's like going into school and um, she's like talking about you know why would I date a high school boy they get up they put on their gross pants and they slick back their hair with a backwards baseball cap and I'm supposed to uh -huh. swoon I don't think so yes like <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I mean, all Brittany wanted was a family. She wrote on her blog, like uh, she had a blog on her website, like on BrittanySpears.com. She wrote, quote, I've had a career since I was 16, have traveled the world and I've traveled the world and back and even kissed Madonna. 
The only thing I haven't done so far is experience the closest thing to God, and that's having a baby. I can't wait. You know, I personally am not attracted to Kevin Federline. Not even a little bit. Not at all. But I assume that the Kevin Federline that we saw, and this is all hindsight 2020, right? The Kevin Federline we saw in the tabloids is not probably who he is as a person. And I assume he had some redeeming qualities that made her want to marry him and start a family. I assume, yeah. Bad relationships, my therapist and I talk about this all the time, bad relationships aren't bad all the time or else you wouldn't be in them. Right. Like abusive relationships are not abusive all the time or else you wouldn't stay. It's the good times that you stay for. Right. So, I don't know. And he did come out in support of her last week. I'm not saying he's a good guy, but, you know. Right. Um... I'm going to stop this recording because it doesn't show that it's recording me, and I'm sure it is, but I just don't want to get oh, no. an hour in and have no audio. Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? Okay, the audio saved. Um, so, Sean Preston, Brittany and Kevin's first son, was born 10 months after the wedding. Um, and those first few months of motherhood, which should have been beautiful, you know, she's with this baby that she clearly, like, that's what she wanted. She wrote on her blog, like, that's all she wanted, were ruined by paparazzi snapping cameras in her face at every fucking opportunity. Um, and Also, so, I do remember when she had him, I think Sean Preston is just the cutest name uh-huh. for a little boy. I think it's so cute. Yes. Um, so... Um, and so of course, like there they are ruining every day with flash bulbs and like monetizing her every mistake. Um, and then there's this story that's referenced all the time that I just want to speak on. She was once photographed driving with Sean Preston in her lap and this especially like egregious and memorable photograph. She explained that she was trying to get away from the I never thought that this was all that egregious i didn't either um and then she also added that so she said she was trying to get away from paparazzi but she also added that she didn't think anything of it because she'd grown up riding in her dad's lap on the back roads and i understand that it's a small country town thing like we all did it in small country towns um also the thing that just really always stuck with me they were in New York City, surrounded by paparazzi uh-huh. in a car. They're not going very fast, y'all. Right. That baby was not in any danger. The baby was in more danger, like, being surrounded by paparazzi that are screaming and flashing cameras in his face than he was inside that vehicle. Right. And I remember, uh-huh. so, having, I guess maybe an interesting take on this because I was a brand new mom while Brittany was a brand new mom. And I really related to like some of her struggles with that. You know, my baby was born in 2004. This was 2006. Um, 2004, 2005. So she, so we were right there at the same time. Like months apart. Yeah. And I remember I was so overwhelmed as a mom and I had, no idea what I was doing and I knew I had no idea what I was doing and I just remember 
I would tell people all the time, you know, people would talk to me about like what she was doing. And I would tell people all the time, like, I actually like, I feel for her because I can't imagine me trying to do this when I don't know what the fuck that I'm doing in front of cameras. Right. Um, I can't imagine. So, well, and like I said, you know, like so much of, so much of the like mistakes or like screw ups, so much of that also is just does South Louisiana influence also like, like I said, writing in the lap, like she really probably didn't think anything of it because of the way she was raised. And like Sarah's dad always says, you can take the girl out of Kentwood, but you can't take the Kentwood out of the girl. And yeah. like, I think that that's part of it is she thought I need to get away. I grew These up people are going to harm, harm my baby. You know, and cars and stuff. Yeah. And again, I'm just going to go back to the fact there is no way they were going over 10 miles per hour in that car. Right. Um, not a fucking chance. And even then, I would I would say even less than that because they were surrounded by photographers. Right. So, so a few just months... everyone needs to chill the fuck out. Right. 13 so years a few ago. Months later, <laughs> she was um co- she was cornered by paparazzi again. Um, she stumbled around holding Sean Preston, obviously pregnant again, and she hid in this cafe and cried to wait out the vulturous like photographers. And I remember this also being broadcast everywhere as like Britney's public meltdown as she hides from photographers. But like, yeah, I would fucking cry and hide from photographers too. If I had a newborn who never stopped crying, I was pregnant again and everyone was trying to take my picture and all I wanted was the biggest bottle of wine and I can't drink it. Like, come on. There is it. It may be this photo. Yeah, this is the this is the photo. But this photo always it, it, it's after like she was photographed a lot while she was crying. But this is after. Uh huh. I love this photo of her. She yeah. like it's like you can just see how much she loves that baby. Uh huh. So in September. So yeah. So in September of 2006, she gave birth to Jaden James. Um, and three weeks later. Didn't love that name as much. Sorry. No. <laughs> three weeks later, Kevin Federline took a private jet to Vegas to party with his friends. So here she is with a one year old, like a, you know, 15 month old and a um, brand new baby. And he's off partying in Vegas. So um, she filed for divorce a short time later sending him a text message to say that she was going to. And that night on a bathroom wall in a club, he wrote, quote, today I'm a free man. Fuck a wife. Give me my kids, bitch. Then he tried to sue her for full custody. Yeah. He's a charmer. Um, So the tabloids immediately sided with Kevin Federline because he did this. I never understood. Well, he, he did the bare fucking minimum of being a man who tried to get custody of his kids, Aaron. Sure. Right. It's hard to have custody of your kids and also party in Vegas at the same time. Not when you're a man. If you just walk in and say you want custody of your kids, the court's like, whoa, a dad for real. What a good father. Right, exactly. Um, so they ran stories. And this is what killed me. Like, 
the tabloids would write run stories all the time about Britney partying it up on the weeks that Kevin had the kids while praising him for his battle for custody, even though like he was doing the same thing while she had the kids. Um, and Us Weekly even ran this full page photo of Sean Preston with a headline that said in all caps, mommy's crying just to send home what a terrible mom Britney was. So, and just, I have friends that have children and are divorced or separated or whatever. And that's what you do on the weeks or the days or the nights that your kids are with their other parent. That's your time to have a good time because you can't do it when they're home. I mean, I mean, you have fun with, with your kids when you're home, but you can't, like, go out to the bar when your kids are home. Right. Ugh. So annoying. Yeah. So in February of 2007, Brittany shaved off her hair at a salon in Tarzana. Um, and that was... I don't... I honestly can't tell you why that was made into the media circus that it was. Well, I mean, besides that it sold and people made lots of money, but like, because someone caught it on film. That's why. Well, yeah, nobody had seen it, but I, and again, like, and I was with everybody else in 2007 when this all went down. I was like, man, she is like going through some shit. She is having like some kind of breakdown. Like there's something wrong, you know? And now that I, that I, I read now and I'm like now 13 years later, nobody fucking said anything back then. Right. What the fuck? But you know, now like you hear these stories where people that were in the salon that day are like, yeah, she was like, please stop touching me. I don't want people touching me. Please stop touching me. And they were like, no, we have to fix your hair. We have to, and they would keep. Right. She had no autonomy over her own body. And now that I like hear that story and I'm, I completely understand. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, so then five days later, she attacked a paparazzi's car with an umbrella. Um, can't say that I blame her. Um, and instead of seeing anybody seeing this as a cry for help or a hurting woman needing treatment, seemingly the entire world respond- responded by labeling her crazy. And this was only worsened as paparazzi trailed her to Kevin Federline's house where she asked to see her children, but was ultimately denied access to them. So, in she is breaking apart and she's like the thing that i need that will anchor me to this world right now is my kids and she can't even see that and the paparazzi are monetizing that um so many people would later say that britney was clearly dealing with postpartum depression but nobody would even discuss it with her um and then some of those same people said that she was struggling with drug and alcohol abuse and again nobody addressed that with her or like asked offered to get her help or anything yeah and i'm not a doctor by any means <laughs> i would i would even... you've watched every episode of Grey's anatomy i don't know it's what you're true talking about. it's true i mean but i i know how to order drugs for you <laughs> um, but um 
I'm not a doctor, but obviously, and I, but I remember saying back then to people, I think she's struggling with postpartum depression because uh-huh. I was, I had been there and, um, right. I was struggling. So I struggled so hard with motherhood. It was really, really difficult adjustment for me. Um, but also <clears throat> I would go so far as to say like, she probably, flirted with if not was in like full-blown postpartum psychosis which is a different yeah animal altogether oh and i would I, the problem is that well it can't be easily controlled but it can be treated right like people like people know how to treat that and they knew how to treat that back then so it's not like we just didn't know what the fuck was wrong we just had no idea what to do it's like that so many people failed her over and over and over and just sat back and watched the show. Right. Well, and horrible. I don't have any, anything to confirm this, but I can imagine that the cogs in the Britney machine, the label and the managers and all that were also wondering when she was going to get the fuck back in the studio and make them some money because she had these two kids back to back and how dare she yeah. take some time off to be a mom. Because the one thing I do remember, and, and listen, I was I was right there with a lot of people. I piled on Britney too. I was like, I did oh, too. Man. I'll admit that, like you know, crazy whoa. But I remember when she was doing that House of Blues tour, and I'm sure you're going to get to it. But when she was doing that tour, I don't talk House... about the tours very much because we're about to go into the conservatorship. Okay, and that's so really when she was doing on. the House of Blues tour, she hadn't quite lost the baby weight from Jaden, but she was wearing a lot of skimpy clothes and she was doing the tour. But I remember she was doing all these performances at the House of Blues. But what I remember, because of course everyone was like, oh, look at her. She's fat and she's ugly. And blah. Right. I just remember looking at her face in those performances. And I was like, man, she's not even there. No. She's not in there right now. She is gone. And I don't, and I don't even think in my mind, it wasn't even like, Oh, she's like high or on drugs or whatever. No, No, I was like, that girl is gone and she needs help. She needs someone to help her. Right. It was heartbreaking. She is. I mean, she was the girl she sang about in lucky from her second album. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Um, it's so funny to go so, back through her musicology now and and think about whether she was trying to send out message messages. There's a, right. There's like "Slave for You" and uh-huh. Lucky. There's all these songs uh-huh. that can be twisted now in a different way. Toxic yeah, just go down one. Britney talk. Mm-hmm. It's uh, wild. So Britney talk is on par with Taylor talk. And oh that yeah, is, love it. Yeah. So anyway, so after all this, Lynn and Kevin told her that if she wanted the custody of the kids, she would need to go to rehab. So she did check herself into a rehab center in early 2007, but she checked out the next day. Um, and then I don't think she was on. I don't think she was addicted. I never thought she was addicted to drugs. I thought she was going through a mental health crisis. Yes. Which unfortunately then, rehab is not going to help you with. Right. Quote, the judge in the custody hearing who had cited Britney Spears's habitual frequent uses of controlled substances and alcohol 
gave primary custody to the of the children to Federline, granting Spears custody four days of visitation, granting Spears four days of visitation per week, under the eye of a court ordered monitor named Robin Johnson. Um, I'm really interested at how they arrived at that conclusion because I don't remember, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember ever like any kind of drug testing or anything going on. So I I'm think like, it was how media you, influenced. Was it literally like you turned on the E channel and you were like, oh, she's on drugs. And they want bang my yeah. gavel. I, I know uh, what I'm doing. God, I hate everyone. So around this time, we're going to meet a key player that I can't find any information on, but he shows up as a star player in her story. Okay. Um, Brittany a good began, one or a bad one? Undetermined is the thing. Great. And I'll tell you why it's undetermined. I think he's mostly, I think he's a um, spotlight hog, but like oxygen tries to credit him with starting the hashtag free Britney movement. But I don't think it was him. I'll talk about who I think actually started that movement. Um, And the reason why I don't think it was him. I just always assumed it was the the leave Britney alone guy. (laughs) Right. Uh, Chris Crocker. He, you is know that, that guy went into yeah that guy went into porn after that why not you know but he did not too long ago um there was a tiktok that like that guy popped up in my feed this is the only way i know anything about him he popped up in my feed that was like what was one thing everyone made fun of you for but you wound up being right and like he just posted his like old video of him melting down to leave britney alone <laughs> and then it just flashed to his face like uh hello He's not wrong. So not wrong. So. so around this time, Brittany began spending time with a man named Sam Lutfi, um, or Lutfi. Oh, I don't know how to say his last name. Okay. Um, who reports himself to be one of Brittany's friends, but who the New Yorker describes as quote a Hollywood operator with a knack for insinuating himself into the lives of turbulent female stars. And so my digging led me to understand that in 2010, he assumed a similar role in Courtney Love's life. Um, he actually like acted as her agent for a while, but she wound up filing a restraining order against him um, and called him a street hustler in an interview. And he also... Courtney Love is filing a restraining order against you. It also came out in 2014 that he played a part in Amanda Bynes' forced conservatorship. So, like, what the fuck is going on with this dude? Because Oxygen says that he started the Free Britney movement. um, But it's like... I don't think so. Because <laughs> if Courtney Love can't put up with your shit and gets a restraining order, like, come on. So, um, so Sam plays this weird, like, recurring role in Britney's life. And like I said, I can't figure out what that role is. But around the time of his arrival in her life, Britney fired her, long- her long-term manager, Larry Rudolph. Um, he comes back later in my notes. Don't worry. Um, Cause he's, he's stuck around for years after this. Um, he was, like I said, the guy who helped her acquire her original six album deal with Jive. Um, and she began entrusting all of her affairs to Sam. He even says that they had a verbal agreement that she selected him to be her new agent. 
Um, and he claimed that Brittany hired him because he told her that she didn't have to work as hard as she always had. And then this was from an interview he'd given, um, quote, she'd always believed there were massive consequences if she didn't work, that she'd lose so much. And it blew her mind that she could just call the shots. He said, you want to cancel that meeting? Cancel it. You're going to lose five grand, lose it. She'd walk into a car dealership and say something like, and say she wanted something. And I'd say, buy it. Her parents would say, why would you let her do that? But it's an $80,000 car, not a yacht. She's got, she just got $15 million from Estee Lauder. Anyway, she's an adult. I'm not going to tell her she can't buy a fucking yacht. Girl, first of all, <laughs> you have a shit ton of money. Buy the buy car. The yacht. <laughs> buy, no, buy, buy the, the yacht. yacht, girl. Buy the yacht. Right. Well, like, and here's the thing with the amount of money she has is so much that I can't even begin to wrap my brain around it. Right. She could invest half of it and just and let never it make money it. and make money and make money for her and buy whatever the fuck she desires for the rest of her life and never have to worry about how much money is in the bank. Yeah. Ever. That's how much money she has. And. I cannot believe that there's some like fucking yo-yo in her group that's like, oh, don't buy that. I'm sure it's her dad because he's fucking. Oh yeah. But don't don't spend five thousand dollars, bro. I'm worth like a billion dollars. Her dad's like pushing her to buy the used Sebring instead of. (laughs) Anyway, so um, so. At some point, in fact, he sued Brittany because of their, you, I was supposed to be your agent and they settled it out of court for a large amount of money. Um, but I just, I don't even remember if I put that in my notes because he's such a confusing fucking character. Um, because then he's, you know, supposed to be her friend and like her manager and her agent and brokering all these things for her. But instead he starts brokering relationships with the paparazzi and invited them to Brittany's house and then would say things like, oh, well, if you just invite them in sometimes, it makes things easier for you. I mean, he's not wrong. However... He's not wrong. Like, maybe clear it with her first. If you do strike up a good relationship with the paparazzi, it it can be a symbiotic relationship. They will leave you alone when you want to be... This is what the royal family does, right? They trot themselves out to take photos and be asked stupid questions. Well, it's like Paris already said, stop and give them the picture they want. But that's not the relationship that they had with Britney. They were destroying her. Like, I don't think any amount of stopping and posing as her manager, she's paying you. She's signing your paycheck. So if you want her to have a relationship with a paparazzi where she trots out and gives them some shit that they want and then she gets to go back and live her life, you got to tell her. Right. And you don't schedule it without her knowledge. That's that's not what, that's just predatory behavior. It's just being right. predatory. Ugh. Um. So this led to Brittany dating one paparazzo photographer, Adnan Galib. God. Um, and so Sam claims that Adnan gave Brittany amphetamines, but Lutfi also has been accused. Like Sam's also been accused of giving Brittany drugs. And then like, apparently everybody points fingers at somebody else for giving Brittany drugs. We don't know. I, I, nobody knows. I believe 1 million percent that 
every man in Britney's life was giving has her giving drugs. her was giving her drugs. Oh, absolutely. And I mean her parents, her doctors, her boyfriends, her ex-husband, all of them. And it goes back um, to that you can't say nobody's going to tell you no and I I I'm going to assume that she is hurting really um, bad. Yes. So and she is um, desperate for anything that's going to make her feel better. And so anyone that walks into her room and says, here, take this, it will make you feel better. She's going to fucking take it. Yes. 100%. Oh God. It's so exploitative and horrible. So, um, Sam even said, like, went on to say that Adnan was essentially awful. Like, let's just say it this way. If I had a daughter, I wouldn't let Adnan anywhere near her. But, like, other If I had called... a daughter, I wouldn't let her anywhere near any of you jokers. <laughs> right? But others recall that Galib, that Adnan was really, like, treated Brittany really well, but her family mocked him behind his back. So, you know, I have no doubts. Um, but her family sucks right so during this time speaking of her family sucks il duce jamie spears becomes close to lou taylor who's a business manager whose husband is an evangelical pastor um oh god a la joel osteen you know um, i saw a tiktok earlier about there's some big evangelical whatever that says uh-huh. that the ex-evangelical movement is single-handedly bringing about the end of times. Oh, thank and God. I I'm just, ready for things to end anyway. That, and also, like, <laughs> I've, I've never felt so good about what I've done with my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you say I'm single-handedly bringing about the end of times? Awesome. Thank you. Right? That's such a vote of confidence in me. That that makes me feel good, like on the inside. I can't believe you're so confident in my life and what I'm doing with my life that you think I'm literally bringing about the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of end of the world, Lou Taylor seems to have a knack for bringing that to people. Um, right. Allegedly, 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 because her attorney loves to sue. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. So um this is the quote from the New Yorker Did her article. Attorney also resigned though. I'm pretty sure he's gone now too. Lou Taylor's? Oh. No. No, Brittany Brittany's court appointed attorney. We'll talk there. about that later. Don't ruin my notes. I thought, I thought, no, I thought you I thought you were talking about No, Brittany's I'm not talking about attorney Brittany's attorney. No. I was like, wait. No. Isn't he gone no. now? <laughs> no, Lou Taylor's attorney. Okay, Quote, gotcha. Taylor later raised the possibility of putting Lindsay Lohan under conservatorship, according to Lohan's father. In a recent interview, Courtney Love said that Taylor tried to wrest control over her family's estate. In, an, in a statement, Charles Harder, a lawyer representing Taylor, said, At no time did Miss Taylor ever make any effort to put anyone into a conservatorship. Not Britney Spears, not Lindsay Lohan, not Courtney Love. But like, Okay, sure. Okay. Allegedly, well, Jan. What, what is this? Is it like, oh, the women aren't aren't acting right, so we gotta we gotta put yeah. them under a conservatorship so that they'll do what we want them to. Yep. Yep. Um, so Taylor's sources present at the time. Taylor that sources at the time 
said that Ta- I'm so tired. Sources who were present at the time said that Got Taylor it. began attempting to contact Jamie um, and then Brittany. Um, but Brittany was like not interested. And then like there's so much circumstantial like he said she said bullshit here that it's hard to sort through. But like I I can't believe I'm saying this out loud but I want to trust Courtney Love and Michael Lowen here. <laughs> Which is a sentence I didn't think I'd ever utter. Listen. <laughs> I believe the children are future. No, I believe in my heart that Kurt Cobain did not die by suicide. And that's all I'm going to say about that without implicating myself uh, in a (laughs) lawsuit type situation. However, if I get to the point where I have to take Courtney Love's word over someone else's, it's real bad, y'all. It's real bad. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So, um, Early in 2008, as Brittany's visits with her sons came to an end, as one of her visits with her sons came to an end, she began to cry. Quote, I just want to keep my kids with me, she said. Why do they have to go? Brittany handed Sean Preston to the bodyguard who'd been sent to collect the children, but went to the bathroom with Jaden and refused to come out. According to Sam, Kevin's attorney called the police and the fire department, who then sent an ambulance. News crews gathered around the house with reporters standing outside live, providing updates as if this was some kind of fucking bank heist. There were four helicopters circling her house, which I don't know, just seems excessive. But what do I know? I guess. You know, I want to say this about Kevin Federline. Oh, God. That was too far. Yeah. If you are having a... As someone who has gone through custody bullshit, yes, there is a point where you call the police. It's not five minutes after she won't come out of the bathroom with one of your kids. Well, Calm and, the fuck down. And did you, did you try turning the knob? I'm going to tell you they did it. Or just like knock on the door and be like, hey ex-wife who i loved enough to make these two children with let's talk about this let's well, have it doesn't, a moment it doesn't even sound like he was there to collect the children he's right. a bodyguard he and then the bodyguard the called him who called his attorney who called like and so, that is the thing it's like especially in these types of situations where uh, listen i'm not going to say that i don't know that there was an abuse involved in their relationship but i will say their divorce was amicable enough right to where one of one of them being him could have picked up the phone and probably done a lot more by just giving like a little bit of empathy and concern over her well-being instead of immediately calling the cops who then called the media Right. Well, maybe just come over and get your own goddamn kids and treat your ex-wife like a fucking human. Because for years, she's been not treated like a person. Yeah. 
But um, so Sam said that he arrived to find the house filled with cops and firemen with axes. Quote, it looked like a murder scene, he recalled. I pushed past everyone and opened the door. It was ridiculous. The locks on that door didn't even work. And there she was, standing, pacing, holding the sleeping baby. She was dressed for a night out in Louboutins. The bath is running. You could see the light filling up the bathroom from the choppers. I told her she needed to let Jaden go. And as she's about to hand me the kid, the firemen blow things up. They take the kid and bring the gurney and strap her down. She didn't even say anything. She was just looking at me, staring at me. Um, Sam was later told that it was a 5150, an emergency psychiatric hold for people who are not familiar with that terminology because I use it a few times tonight. Yeah. Um, and this is a situation in which a person having what this article described as a mental health episode can be involuntarily hospitalized. Um, paparazzi surrounded the ambulance and followed it to Cedar Sinai hospital. One photographer shot a photo of her on the gurney and put it on his MySpace account with the caption, cha-ching, cha-ching. Okay. I know a little bit about 5150s, probably just enough to be dangerous talking about it, but um, I don't think in any kind of normal situation that would have been warranted in this particular instance. And also someone made a call there. Yep. Because it wasn't her, because she was not threatening her own life or the life of anyone else, which is what a 5150 is for. Yeah. So someone made a call uh -huh. to hold her involuntarily for no reason, which is not okay. Right. To me, uh. if you de-escalate this entire thing and you make... the Brittany and Kevin, two normal people that live in bumfuck, you know, Houston, Texas, or whatever. It's a domestic di dispute that doesn't go any further than, you know, probably some words exchanged and the police showing up to make sure there's a peaceful transfer of custody. And that's right. it. Yeah. No one's going to the hospital. No one's going to be on television no like right this this went from like zero to like eight million not even a hundred like eight million yeah so fast yeah Un like unacceptable uh so oh, excuse me so kevin was granted immediate so sole custody of the children and her visitation rights were suspended um and so then it was widely assumed that she had endangered her children because her white rights were stripped away um, but those who were around her, like those who were around the situation, like very avidly disagree. Um, they said she was a good mom. She had breakfast ready when the kids came over. She was always dressed to a T. She had games and DVDs ready. The housekeeper said, quote, as a mom, I can tell you. Brittany was a good mom. She didn't want to hurt or do anything wrong with her kids. No, I was there. And I know all she wanted was to have her kids at least another night. 
And Robin Johnson, who was that court-ordered monitor that had to be at all the visitations, she even said, quote, none of this was her fault. There were so many people involved in her life that caused all of this craziness with her. I don't have I, anything derogatory about to, about her to say. It was probably one of the saddest cases I've ever done in my entire life. I forgot. She even had someone there supervising the visitation. There's no reason why the cops should have ever been called in this situation. There was already someone there. There was a court-ordered advocate right there, yeah. Yeah. And I remember I remember watching all this play out, you know, on the news and shit. And I do remember in this particular instance thinking like A, they kept saying, oh, you know, obviously she's mistreating, you know, that was the narrative. Like she's mistreating the children, she's abusing them or, or you know, they're just in an unstable environment or whatever. But there was never any proof. Right. There was never anything that was like, oh, this is what happened. This is why we think the kids are in an unstable environment. It was like literally every judge and attorney sat down and like watched entertainment tonight. And then they were like, huh. Case closed on this one then. We we know what's going on. Let's, yeah. Let's go. Let's go knock off early and go to happy hour. What the fuck, man? Yeah just bull i mean just bullshit um so after the 5150 jamie and lou taylor consulted lawyers about establishing a conservatorship for Brittany. and here i have to note that harder taylor's attorney said that on these calls taylor was quote more of a listener than a contributor and i just wrote allegedly sure jan allegedly like <laughs> i just sure jan allegedly i need to get those allegedly's in because he's gonna sue us and i don't have any money but like Okay. So here's where I would like to put this important tidbit of information because we're about to get into the conservatorship as we know it. California courts define conservatorships as a judge appoints as a case in which a judge appoints a responsible person or organization called a conservator to care for another adult called a conservatee who cannot care for himself or herself to manage his or her own finances. Just because many states call it a guardianship, like conservatorship is actually a word that's kind of unique to California law. Um, so on January 28th, 2008, Sam and Brittany had an argument and Lynn saw this as an opportunity to get closer to Brittany, claiming that Sam had been keeping them apart. She called a family friend, Jacqueline Butcher, who is a key player in this, in the conservatorship, actually. Um, and Jacqueline, I don't think I copied the quote down, but Jacqueline actually holds a lot of guilt. She feels so guilty. She has given interviews about how bad she feels from her role in this. And she talks yeah. about it later in my notes. Um, but so Jacqueline I think it's one of those to, things where the ball is rolling so fast. Uh-huh. And you don't realize where right. it's going until it gets there. And then you're like, oh my, oh my God, like that is not where I thought we were going at all. Right. Um, she's like, I thought we were playing tetherball and you guys were playing Foursquare. Like this is not even the same fucking game. <laughs> well, no, what I think she's like, I thought we were doing what was in the best interest of everybody right. in this situation. And now we're here and this is in the best interest of one person. 
who shouldn't even be the focus of this situation because that has nothing to do with him. Right. So um, she asked Jacqueline Butcher to come with her. Her, Lynn and Jackie had become friends through the entertainment industry. Um, They'd spent nearly a decade in friendship before, during, and after the creation of the conservatorship. Um, And Jacqueline said she remembered how during a trip to Las Vegas without Brittany's parents or siblings, Brittany asked her for comfort. She said, quote, she has anxiety, Butcher said. She called me on that trip and said, Miss Jackie, come to my room. She just wanted me to hold her hand. She was in the living room on a chair and I just pulled up a chair and held her hand. And that was like, that was before all of this. So, but you have was go ahead. I have been there where you feel so fucked up and lost and confused and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you just want to hold somebody's hand. Uh huh. And nobody put me under a conservatorship for it. And I cannot believe that we took this poor woman who was going through some like major shit and just destroyed her. Yep. Even, even if, if she gets out of this and if she gets her life back and if the stars align and everything works out and then everybody drops it. She's never going to be the same. No. No. So Jacqueline was sympathetic to the idea that Brittany needed to get, like, be freed from Sam's influence because Mm -hmm. she did feel like Sam was keeping Brittany, like, isolated from her family. So she rode with Lynn to Brittany's house. They drove to the house together in Jacqueline's Range Rover but unbeknownst to them, Jamie was following behind them. Ugh, this guy. Arriving at the house around dusk, they gre- they were greeted by Sam, who said that Brittany had left and wouldn't come back until Jamie was gone. Quote, Jamie was furious, Butcher, Butcher said. He was screaming that he wasn't going to let Sam do this. A security guard yeah. asked Jamie <laughs> A security guard asked Jamie to leave. After he did, Brittany came home with Adnan. She seemed odd and hyper. She was talking in a baby voice, standing up and sitting down, compulsively combing her hair, repeatedly changing her clothes and the clothes of her dog. Um, and that's when the oh, shit she's the fan. having a, a, a manic slash anxiety episode. Uh huh. Yeah. That's when. Yep. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. when the shit hit the fan. Butcher said, "Lynn, Adnan, and Sam exchanged bitter recrim." <laughs> recriminations is i copy and pasted this sentence what an idiot of me knowing that we were recording late and that's a word that i don't normally say um (laughs) (laughs) they exchanged like i mean they were just assholes to each other accusing one another of being a poor influence on britney and finally britney broke down and screamed at them all to shut up and then all hell broke loose It was a freaking circus, said Jacqueline. You would think it was a SWAT team taking down a drug ring. Cops, helicopters, the fire department, you name it. Brittany was cooperative, but crying and shaking as they strapped her onto a gurney. 
at one point Again. yeah at one point uh Jacqueline said she moved to comfort Brittany and a first responder shouted her to freeze and keep her distance Brittany was loaded into an ambulance alone and taken to UCLA Medical Center flanked by a police convoy the length of a football field and like does nobody but me think this is excessive LAPD what the fuck is wrong with you so after midnight Jacqueline Lynn and Anon arrived at UCLA where they were put in a waiting room and they were joined by Jamie a short time later and Brittany had expressly given them not permission to see her and they were hurt. But mm-hmm. sometime later, they found out that Sam had been allowed in the room with her and Jamie became irate. Quote, that's it. We're getting him out of there. We're getting that conservatorship. Jacqueline recalled Jamie saying. The following afternoon, Butcher joined Lynn. Uh, Jacqueline joined Lynn at Brian Spears's apartment and at Lynn's request, got on the phone with Jamie's attorney, Geraldine Wilde. Quote, urged on by Lynn, who said her throat hurt and that she was too fatigued to provide details. And this is something that we'll see is that Lynn, Lynn has not spoken until today, but that was through her attorney. Lynn has almost never spoken of her own accord in anything. She has always made somebody else do it. Yeah, Uh, I actually, I have a lot of questions about uh, that specifically. Um, just as a mom, and I, I don't know, I don't know the situation, so I'm sure, I'm sure there are other things at play because A, I think Jamie Spears is a fucking psychopath. Um, so I recall reading that as a mom, if this was happening to my child, like I would go like straight up kill Bill style. I would. Right. I'd just be offing people left and right to get to my kid and to save him from this horrible thing that's happening to him. And I'm not yeah. blaming her because I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are things that ha- are happening behind the scenes that I don't know about. But man, I'd be going on a fucking rampage completely publicly. I give no I would give no shit. Yeah. About that. So um so Jacqueline was asked to speak to Wilde give all the details of the night before. Um, and she was on the phone for about an hour, providing a comprehensive account of the events at Brittany's house. Um, Geraldine Weil said she would write up a report and submit it to, to the court. In retrospect, Jacqueline feels that she was exploited. Quote, I didn't know how a conservatorship worked. It was supposed to be temporary. And like I said, throughout this whole article, she it's clear she wrestles with a lot of guilt. Um, yes. And she has actually shown up for every one of Brittany's hearings in hopes that she can provide some kind of support for Brittany. A conservatorship in this type of situation is meant to be temporary. Temporary, yeah. Um, so the next morning, while Brittany was still in the hospital, Jamie, Lynn, and Jacqueline went into a small courtroom downtown in downtown L.A. Jacqueline was told that she would be required to give more testimony. Instead, according to Jacqueline, Lynn told her it's taken care of. The judge, Reva Gates, who has since retired, 
arrived and announced that the conservatorship had been granted. Quote, the whole process took maybe 10 minutes. No one testified. No questions were asked. At the time, she felt relief that she'd been able to help and protect Brittany. Um, but now she said she's haunted by the event. A conservatorship was granted without ever talking to her. And whatever they claim about any input she had behind the scenes, how could you have assessed her then? Shouldn't you wait a week to interview her? She never had a chance, is what Jeffrey I. Said. This feels so illegal. It's important to note here that Gates disputes this account, saying that there had been lengthy confidential discussions addressing Brittany's health and that it was incorrect to say that Spears had not been meaningfully assessed or given opportunities for input. She added, quote, I can unequivocally tell you, uh, unequivocally, I can tell you unequivocally that I did not coordinate anything related to this case without with anyone connected to the case before it came in. So take that for what it's worth, because it sounds like a lot of lawyer mumbo jumbo for talking in circles and not arriving to anything. No, it sounds once again, like someone who's watched too much entertainment tonight and thought they knew what the fuck was going on when they really had no fucking idea. <sighs> yeah. So in California, it is required that conservatives be given five days notice before conservatorship, take, conservatorship takes effect. But this can be bypassed if a judge decides that they could suffer, quote, immediate and substantial harm. So Gates appointed a probate lawyer named Sam Ingham as Spears' advocate and then granted the conservator's petition to waive the requirement to notify her that any of this was happening. She Ingle. was in the hospital. What kind of danger was she in exactly? That's what I said too. Um, so until today, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but until today, um, Ingham has remained in that role since the day he was appointed, like since that very first day. Um, Spears, like Brittany, is required to cover his annual salary of $520,000 to tell her how to live her own goddamn life. I, For comparison... Wait, I, I, wait, do you need someone to tell you how to live your life? Because I can do that for you. And I'll, leave, I'll just take $400,000 a year. I'll do it for you. Aaron, I'll tell you how to do things for free. I'm good at bossing people around. Oh, um, no, I, I, got, I got to get paid. I'm, I'm poor. Now, for <laughs> comparison's sake, her own living expenses in 2019 were $440,000. So he made $80,000 more than it cost her to live. To tell her how to live. That's fucking despicable. And Jamie was named a co-conservator. And at some point, a box... Nobody knows who or how or when, but at some point, a box was checked indicating that Brittany has dementia. But there's never been anything made public to support this diagnosis. Brittany is my age. If she has dementia, that's even early for early, early onset. Right? If if she has dementia, they like she should be in a study because that's not a thing. Um, not that it's anybody's business, but it does seem suspect in this particular case, like her medical history, I mean. Um, but Jacqueline asked at the time, Jacqueline asked Lynn why she didn't want to be a co-conservator. 
and Lynn said that it was only going to be temporary and Brittany should resent Jamie for it after all. Um, Jacqueline said Lynn began talking about her hopes for how the conservatorship should be managed, which sent Jamie into a fit of rage, shouting about his control over Brittany's life, including Lynn's access to her. And here's where you're going to get so mad. Like, like, Wait. don't, don't take that drink right now. You're going to need to save some. At so, one point, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to chug it until you uh-huh. are done talking. Okay. Go. At one point, Jacqueline recalled him bellowing. I am Britney Spears. It was a refrain she would hear him repeat often during the early years of the conservatorship, she said. Did you ever watch The Tudors? No, I did not. Great show. Wildly historically inaccurate, but great, great show. I heard amazing things. (laughs) It's oh, got it's a great um, show. Um, it's got an actor I really like scene, in it too. There is a scene in the Tudors where Henry VIII is like fighting with people, and it's about, it's like Anne Boleyn. Like he's just he's just being a dick, you know. I mean, like he was, and um, he's like fighting with people, and all of a sudden he stands in the middle of the room and he shouts, "I'm the King of England." <laughs> And that's what that reminds me of, except he actually was. That's what I was about to say. He's actually the king. Um, so, so th- and Jamie Spears, as far as I'm, as far as I know, it's not actually Britney Spears. Now, I've never seen them in the same room, so. We could dress him up in a schoolgirl outfit and make him do the dance. And see. <laughs> no thanks. No one wants to see that. Oh, I do because I'm very much into public humiliation for this particular asshole. Yeah, but where we will all be humili- humiliated. Like that's secondhand humiliation in the worst kind of way. That's cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> for us to have to watch. <laughs> we should just, there should be a court appointed person that has to watch it and tell us about it. We don't have to. <laughs> Make Sam Ingham have to watch it. Like, here's your penance for making all that money. <laughs> um, Look, we figured, we, we fixed it. Solved. We fixed the whole thing. So three psychiatrists had to provide, were asked to provide rather documentation confirming Brittany's lack of mental fitness because the first two didn't find her mentally unsound. The first two said she didn't need to be in a conservatorship. The first two said she was having a breakdown, but she'd be fine after hospitalization and some therapy and like treatment and medicine. Like the first two were like, Hey, we actually have medical degrees that taught us how to fix this. Why is this not like that? The Trident situation where it's like four out of five dentists. (laughs) Trident is good for you. (laughs) Instead of like one out of three psychiatrists think you're crazy. That's, that doesn't jive. Also, I hate this. So the third one who was called in <laughs> provided this documentation. But even earlier this year, he was on a podcast and he said, quote, I don't know why she still has a conservatorship. Where? Where is a mall Clooney? She's a human right. <laughs> Yes. No, I'm serious. She's a human no, I, I just didn't expect a Mal Clooney to wind up in our podcast today. Like, a, 
of people that you would pull in. No, Amal Clooney is a human rights attorney. Yeah. Where is she? Can we get her in? Because I'm pretty sure she could walk in a courtroom and destroy this conservatorship and like, like, she could make it home in time to like feed George and the kid. <laughs> so once and I'm this... sure she doesn't even do that because I'm sure they have a chef. So that's how much time she would have. <laughs> and look incredible theory? doing it. Like uh, obviously, God. but she would she would do it in a way that Jamie would say thank you at the end. Like yes, yeah, ma'am. Thank like you. Like, it's like my grandmother taught me: you you tell people to go to hell in such a way that they look forward to the trip. Yeah. Where so, is Amal Clooney? Can Can Jill Biden pardon? I mean, she didn't do anything wrong. Can she? Can he pardon Britney Spears to get this taken away? I mean, I she didn't know. do anything, but. Listen, I don't. I don't know what's going on at Kamala. This point. So. I know you're a subscriber. Call us. I, I have questions. Cammy, listen. <laughs> Aunt Cam, we know you're out there. <laughs> we know you're listening. Call us. We so, love you. What's this? Also, conservative- Taylor Swift, I know you listen too. Um, I just... Let's get together and listen to No Body, No Crime on repeat for no apparent reason at all. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So once this conservatorship began, Jamie reinstated Larry Rudolph as Britney's music manager and then hired his good friend, Lou Taylor, as her business manager, despite what no, no, many no. people. No, you don't get to like take over your daughter's like megastar career and then hire your friends. Right. Despite what many people. Where's your reporter as... that's making you right? make the right decision. <laughs> right. Because this was this is the woman who allegedly, allegedly, allegedly tried to put everyone under a conservatorship. And now she gets to make Britney's money post conservatorship. Like it makes zero sense. And Britney had. Do you had know how mad I am her. that I side with Courtney Love on oh, any right. issue at all? So later quote later some members of spears's team raised doubts about taylor's financial management during tours no i'm not saying it was like a million dollars missing it's not that obvious one of them said money was wasted in a particular way and when i asked a question i got shut down because nobody wanted to admit fault and then i have to say that harder taylor's attorney called this allegation quote completely false i think it's interesting i uh, have you listened to the opportunist podcast no so the first season they did um sherry shepherd who's like a QAnon, like you know um and then the second season they just wrapped up and they did it's a fascinating true crime it was a pharmacist who was knowingly diluting um chemotherapy and other types of drugs in order to make money which is the crime is just horrendous it, it, uh. it's horrible um i i highly recommend you listen to this podcast it's it's riveting because i like you think you know the kind of depravity that exists in this world and then you run into this motherfucker and you're like are you fucking uh. kidding me but they mentioned in the last episode that he had his father run the books. Uh-huh. 
and that they don't think it was because he knew what was going on. They think it was because by trade, he was something else. And so he's running these books and he's overlooking what's happening right in front of his face because he doesn't know what to look for because he's not an actual accountant. Right. And that's what this feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Um, so even in the earliest days, Brittany expressed a desire for Jamie not to be her conservator. While still hospitalized, she contacted a lawyer named Adam Streisand to represent her in a court hearing on February 4th. He communicated her, quote, strong desire that Jamie not be a conservator, but the judge, based on a report from Sam Ingham, ruled that Brittany wasn't actually mentally fit to hire an attorney to tell anybody what she wanted. So Brittany spoke with another attorney, John Erdley. He returns and we stan him. Um, he right. tried He tried to move the case to federal court, but again, Brittany was deemed too inept to handle her own attorneys. Erdley filed a declaration asking that Brittany be brought to court, quote, insisting that she would testify truthfully that she did authorize me to take action on her behalf, and I did so. According to Rolling Stone, Spears told Erdley on a phone call that was tape recorded, I basically just want my life back. Erdley filed another declaration arguing, among other things, that Spears was being denied due process. It's obvious that the conservatorship was well was planned well in advance of its implementation as a tool to influence the custody proceedings in the family law court and for other illicit purposes, he wrote. In another document, he stated that the last time Britney Spears attempted to call him, her phone was taken away from her and that the number was disconnected the next day. This is like the perfect crime. And I have not watched, but I've heard a lot of people compare this to um... Oh shit, there's a movie on Netflix. Um, I care a lot. I'm not seeing it. has Rosamund Pike in it. Hold on. Um... Oh, I love anything Rosamund Pike's in, though. Um, hold on. Um, Rosamund Pike. I care a lot. That's what it's called. I care a lot. Okay. Um, and it's where she goes, she's like a grifter and she goes and takes, she takes managing conservatorships of like old people and then takes everything they have because, you know, they're going to die. Nobody cares. Right. Like, but this is the perfect crime because you have taken over this woman's career and every decision she can make for herself and then you tell everyone that she's so crazy that she can't even speak up for herself quote according to jonathan martinis the senior director for law and policy at a center for disability i wish my last name was martini right uh, at a center for disability rights at syracuse university One of the most dangerous aspects of guardianships is the way they present people from getting their legal counsel. The rights at stake in guardianship are analogous to the rights at stake in criminal cases, Martini said. Brittany could have been found holding an axe and a severed head saying, I did it, and she still would have had the right to an attorney. 
So under guardianship, you don't have the same rights as an axe murderer. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, it's the perfect crime because you not only get to take over this entire, this person's entire life, but you have made them out to be the psychopath who can't even be trusted to be represented by an attorney. Right. You take their voice away. This is insane. I know you're going to get to it, but this just hit me as hard as when she said she had an IUD that no one would let her uh-huh. remove. Oh, we're getting there. And we're going to get so to it. And I have, I have feelings, but that, that hit me in the face, like a fucking two by four. Yeah. So less than okay. two months after the second 5150, um, Spears taped a guest appearance on the sitcom, How I Met Your Mother. Publicly, the comeback had yes, already begun. I remember begun, that. I love that show. And it had, it had been in the works virtually from the outset. Jacqueline remembers sitting in Spears' home office on one of the first days that she was released from the hospital. Jacqueline, Lynn, and Brittany were on the floor. Brittany was on her knees. Jamie was sitting at a desk. A flat screen TV was playing nearby. Jamie said, baby, Jacqueline recalled, and I thought he was going to say, we love you, but you need help. But what he said was, you're fat. Daddy's going to get you on a diet and a trainer and you're going to get back in shape. Do you remember just like five seconds ago when you were talking about if she had been found with an axe in her hand and the guy's head? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because that's what I'm picturing. Um, Then he said, you see that TV over there? You know what it's going to say in eight weeks? That's going to be you on there. And they're going to say she's back. So in 2008. This has been my problem with this conservatorship from the very beginning. If Britney Spears is too sick to make her own decisions about life, she is too sick to perform and make music and make money. Yeah. To me, there is... That is a that like that is a mutually exclusive thing. If she is too sick to make her own decisions, she is too sick to perform. Done. That's an argument lots of people have made. Um, so in 2008, <sighs> as part of damage control for her image, Britney spent months filming a documentary called Britney for the Record. In this documentary, she dons a thick Southern accent and mimics her father actually pretty well, saying... You know she don't listen to me. I scream at her and she gets on to me about screaming at her, but I can't do it. You're just going to have to talk some fucking sense into her. Then she goes on to say her life is too controlled. Later in the documentary, she says, quote, I never wanted to become one of those prisoner people. I always wanted to feel free and get in my car and go and not let people make me feel like I had to stay at my home. But she adds, quote, I think there was always, I think that that was always the part of me that kind of got me in trouble. I'd let certain people into my life that were just bad people. And I really paid for the consequence, paid the consequences for that big time. But I just feel like you do something wrong and you've got to learn from it. You move on, but it's like, I'm having to pay for it for a really long time. So, um, you're speaking, but we can't hear you. You muted your mic. 
Okay. Um, I don't know if you've watched How I Met Your Mother. Her guest appearance on How I Met Your Mother is like one of my favorite things. The the character uh-huh. she plays is hysterical. It's so funny. It's I won't it's not well acted, but it's well acted in the fact that it's not well acted. It's right. Like, I think it's, I think it's great. I, I love, those are some of my favorite episodes are the, are the ones that she's in. They're so funny. Um, so. Sorry, um, I just had to like. No, you're fine. I'm a um, huge Britney so, Spears fan. y'all. <laughs> so Andrew gallery, her personal photographer during this time, he was also the director of content for this documentary said, quote, you know how you go for a hike and get at the top of the mountain. Then you have this moment of clarity. Brittany was always at the bottom of that mountain surrounded by security guards, all this chaos, but on occasion things would quiet down. We would have these talks and she would say, I want to get married again. I want to have a husband and I want to have more kids. At the time, Gallery said it didn't seem as though anyone imagined that the conservatorship would be a long-term arrangement, but it was made permanent in October of 2008. And that's where we're going to end part one. We will release part two next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to eat your vegetables and charge your phones. Bye.